you like oh, pitting yeah. us no, against can... each other? Is it like this is yeah, my good. mate Battle Royale, or is it like? Ooh, <laughs> it's like epic <laughs> son of a bitch. I mean. Yeah, man. Uh, in uh, in your episode, you alluded to that your fact that you're a teacher. You're currently a teacher. Yes, um, true. And you also produce. Uh, not only you, you also have you have your podcast, but you also produce uh, some other podcasts. Has the um, has the fact that uh, you do podcasts? Um, and you are putting yourself out more as a public figure, uh, change the way that you teach. Um, has it, has it made the job a little bit easier? Has it, um, has it made it harder? Has it, um, has the fact that you are a teacher, uh, stopped you from doing any particular episodes on your podcast or anything like that? Um, it's really made not much of a difference. Um, I keep it very separate. I don't particularly advertise it in my place of work. Uh, for the reason that I want that anonymity. I don't want parents coming across. Um, Not that I've done inappropriate things, but I don't need, you know, a parent listening to the episode where I interviewed a sex therapist and, and having to talk to me about that in the playground as to why (laughs) did I think that would be interesting? And why did I want to know if men's equipment were faulty and things like that? Like, no, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the only real um, impact it's had is I'm I'm starting a teacher podcast, and so I utilised um, some of my colleagues and asked them if they would participate. And um, having to go through the code of conduct that schools have, and making sure I'm not putting anyone's job in jeopardy by asking them to to talk about their profession, um, that that's probably the only real implication that it's been so far. Okay, very good, Brandon. Howdy. <laughs> when was the last time you did a big skid? Is the question. A big skid. Yes. I'm pretty sure you can shortlist the, the, the people that uh, that asked that question. Please please clarify the question. <laughs> I was going to say, we might just <laughs> have some underwear, Kevin. When's laundry day? Oh, jeez. Um, well, okay. So obviously my podcast, I was, I was one of the car guys, and as you were, Kev. Um, I, I went to the tr- I went to the racetrack a few weeks ago uh, out to at Ludnam, which is a great track, and I guess I did a skid there um, unintentionally. That's probably about the closest I'll get. <laughs> I, I like how everyone gets like a deep existential question when I get into a skid. With all this talk of electric cars and and different vehicles, it doesn't seem like there's any room for performance vehicles in that realm uh-huh. how do you uh-huh. feel about the the possible disappearance of petrol cars ah uh, wow okay um i'm i'm kind of somewhere in the middle on this one i um i'm all for electric cars i'm all for automation as well on the roads as i alluded to much earlier in this um podcast um, I think the the roads are insane, and I think we need to um, to, to to do something about the the road toll. And I think electric cars slash automation uh, couldn't come soon enough. And I see the internal combustion engine being relegated to the racetracks, and similar to if you had a horse and you needed a bit of land to run that horse on, um, I see that being a hobby rather than a requirement for you to get from A to B. 
Um, that's where I see petrol cars going. Um, there will be a, a much smaller demand for oil, which is great, and there'll be some very, um, I guess, boutique refineries out there where you can get your 98 run from, you know, similar to a, uh, you know, a fine wine, perhaps. <laughs> if, I, if I could put a, a classy spin on the, uh, the, the do a skid uh, question. <laughs> as, as long as we don't have to pay $50, uh, you know, for 750 mils of a fine octane. <laughs> you know, it, depends the, it depends on the vintage. <laughs> it's it's gonna get so if it's good who cares right <laughs> <laughs> well that's actually it's funny you should say that because i think obviously prices will go up if, if oil and and fuel becomes boutique um but you know at the same time if you're only driving it once every three months at the racetrack you can kind of get away with that would you yeah, waste it on a skid though <laughs> yes. Ooh. no it See? depends if it was a good skid it has to be a good skid wouldn't it you'd, you'd want it to be a waste yeah, waste. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, waste. <laughs> so the answer is yes, I, I, I would. <laughs> um, Nick. Yes. How do you overcome your natural instincts to put a hand out or stop yourself from being hurt in your industry? Uh, it's, it's retraining the body to do everything that you you don't instinctively want to do, I guess, is, is the basic answer. Like you, you need to untrain yourself and then retrain it. Um, so I guess, you know, it's training is the simple answer. Um, <laughs> is, is, is there, is there anything specifically that you do to help train your mind, body and spirit to, uh, to do that? Oh, it does a skid. <laughs> um, look, it's just repetition, you know, like we will, for example, in training, we might be doing falls, um, like from standing to falling on the ground. And it's just a matter of we are literally pushing each other over again, getting up, pushing each other over for a good hour. Um, we're like lemmings that way. Um, so, and that's just how it works. And then if you go, oh, that didn't feel good. So what else can I do? How can I fix it? So it's just, you know, repetition and doing it until your body does it automatically without having to think about it. I mean, I guess it's like any of you guys, you know, with all your training, nobody wants to run into a burning building, but part of the training is that you overcome that so you can do it without even thinking so you know it's that repetition i guess good answer yeah and knowing what hurts and then don't do that again so, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um simon yes is there a difference between keeping the peace and law enforcement well <laughs> Gonna need a, another thing of scotch for that one. <laughs> yeah, difference between keeping the peace and law enforcement. Yes, here we go. <laughs> here we go, and it's reflected in our in our legislation, where our legislation says that um, the police work with the community. So that would be keeping the peace. When that doesn't work, we call in the law enforcers. Mm -hmm. Is that too deep? Uh, I'm I'm well and truly out of my depth on that question and answer. So you know what? I'm just going to say that sounds amazing. I I, I don't know. <laughs> I like it. 
I think you're on the money. I think you're on the money, Simon. I I, I honestly think um, after all these years, well, think I'm sick and tired of the onus being put on the poor cops. It's the community thing. People complain about, oh, um, the cops do nothing because the bloke down at number 17 um, is selling drugs and the cops do nothing about it. Well, we don't have crystal balls um, and we don't know it, it, it happens unless you tell us. So the, the community plays a vital role in uh, keeping the peace and to some extent law enforcement. Do you think that that's the... the the line between proactive and reactive policing, like proactive is the keeping the peace part being out, being visible, interacting with the community, making that presence known. And then the reactive part is, Hey, this bloke's broken war and you need to come do something about it. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And even funnily enough, probably if you delve into a bit more, even the, the proactive response lays the foundations uh, sorry, sorry, the reactive response lays the foundations for a proactive uh, response mm. as well. Absolutely. That's good. I like that. Yeah? Okay. I do. No, well, I think it's, I think you're you're right. It's it's um I I have a sister in law who's a uh, police officer. And I often have this conversation. I, I often mentioned to her that I could not do her job and she looks at me and thinks I'm crazy and she couldn't do mine. And it's that um, that understanding of, of what you're talking about is that um, the amount of work that goes into that uh, that side of the reactive policing that has such an effect on the proactive side to what people perceive that you do for work. Most people only see it when it goes bad. They don't see it when it goes when it goes well. Oh, and vice versa. Um, and it's probably more. Uh, uh, relevant to young police, we only see most of the time bad people. Hmm. So, so then we get that that shitty attitude that everyone's a shitbag. <laughs> yeah. Whereas the but reality so, is that ninety percent of the people out there are not. <laughs> but we don't interact with them. That's right. So we don't know. And it, it, it's funny that the transition um, coming from um, the Sydney Metro to to a rural location where people actually smile and wave and have different <laughs> conversations with you um, is like uh, quite refreshing. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I love nothing more than having a, a coffee down a local shop with uh, you know with the local sergeant here in um, here in town because that you know that fundamentally the the local police officers down here. They really enjoy that time because it's it's positive uh, community interaction time. They don't have to be working, but they're working. Absolutely, and they um, get to see the they get to see the good side of their job and the fact that we're very happy that they're there and they're not out chasing people doing stuff that we don't want people to do. Um, Rather, yeah, yeah. You're blessed. You live in a, a a great a great part of Australia as well. Absolutely, yeah, I'm very lucky for that. Not saying it doesn't have its problems. Everywhere has its problems. But, um, yeah, um, great place to live. And to be honest with you, I'd hate to get on the wrong side of that big fella that you're having coffee with. (laughs) (laughs) He's a giant of a man. That's why we buy him coffees. (laughs) (laughs) 
Do you think there needs yeah. to be a greater emphasis on on positive interactions with the police and the community? Because most everyday people only kind of come in contact with the police when they're getting a breath test or getting a speeding ticket. Like we don't interact with the police. Well, uh, they I try and have that coffee with a cop every now and again, but the general the general duties police are flat out. Mm. It's the, the notion that um, we eat donuts and drink coffee, and I like donuts and coffee just to <laughs> put things in perspective. Um, like the guys and girls on the car crews are flat out, and if they're not doing work, then they also have um, proactive uh, taskings and then they also have um, brief preparation to do as well. And then they've got people like me on their backs making sure that all their ducks are in a row as well. So they are flat out. So the time you get to, to actually stop, take a breath and have a positive interaction when they're not under pump is, is quite limited. I think it's also up to us as citizens to not view every interaction that you have with them in that light like you said a breath test is you know you don't see that as a positive interaction but if it's just on the side of the road they're just doing their job and if you haven't been drinking or if you're doing the right thing why cannot that tiny little interaction be positive as well Mm. um granted getting a speeding ticket is a different story that wouldn't be (laughs) as positive But, you know, like the one where you're driving home after work and they've pulled you over because it's Christmas time and they've got to do the random breaths, why does that have to be a negative one? That can be your positive interaction too. Well, I, um, I, I, I get in trouble sometimes because I um, don't ask people to count. I ask them to sing the first verse of the, verse of the national anthem. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and... And shame on you, a lot of Australians do not know the national anthem. Oh, dear. I was just thinking that I, I, I would fail that and you would probably um, put me away for being drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. is, is that like asking who the current, you know, like if someone's got a head injury, you ask them things like who's the current prime minister, but when it's changed three times in one year, yeah. that's a bit of an unfair that's question. That's a fair question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Or, um, yeah, I just, yeah, so I changed that. Or show me your license and count to ten into something a bit different as well. And and like if there's kids in the back of the car, I'll chat to them. And I was on a border deployment, and we we're, were talking to all the kids, and you know it was it was pretty good. Nice. Yeah. Do you like guys it. think that um, many of the emergency service problems would be fixed uh, very simply with more personnel? No, not no. necessarily. No, no. I, I think a high quality of person. Um, would probably go a long way to fixing a lot of the issues. Um, that's not to say that like emergency services don't pick good people, um, particularly paid um, paid fire services and ambos and, and definitely the police. But yeah, I, I think that really comes down to the type of person you get and it's not necessarily just going to be fixed by throwing numbers at it. That's another reason why it, it's sort of a little bit um, di- like digressing a little bit, but why I don't think, you know, national service or conscription is a good thing because you want, like, literally the very best people to be defending our country. You don't just want some pain in the ass who doesn't want to be there being given a stire and going out and, you know, having that ability to, to shoot at people. It's just not a good idea. 
I don't think. And I think the recent events can probably attest to that, or the recent, you know, outcomings of events. It's an interesting point, Jim. You know, that you've sort of um, actually look at it from a point of view that uh, it, it doesn't have to be emergency services. It could be something simple like we had a bit of a laugh, Kev, about you know hospitality jobs mm-hmm. as an example. Yep. Like almost all of us have had a hospitality job, and you just go, "This person's got no idea." I think it's that mm-hmm. fundamental thing where uh, if you take the little bit of time to try and understand the perspective. Uh, from where the person that you're interacting with is coming from, you'll go a heck of a long way to changing your attitude about that person. Yep. Yeah. Regardless, regardless of what job they're doing, you know, if you know, if you use the example, so like if people, you know, if you put yourself in the shoes of the police officer that's pulling you over to a random breath test, you'll pretty quickly understand that A, they're just doing their job. B, they're trying to proactively, uh, you know, get people to understand that you're know, having a bottle of scotch and then getting behind the wheel of car is probably not a great thing. Mm. And you're putting your, you know, the uh, lives of your kids and everybody else at risk while you're doing it. And most people understand that. And we need to react that way by having that, you know, just take a breath, have a think and go, ah, they're doing, they're doing the right thing. And I'm appreciative of that and take that attitude rather than, Oh, this person's making me late for work. <laughs> um, Thank you. I like that. Thanks. (laughs) Exactly right. (laughs) Yes, mate. I believe you called my name. I did. Uh, You have chosen to put yourself in the public eye, both on social media and through extracurricular activities in your organization. Mm -hmm. Has this put extra pressure on your performance as a firefighter? Ooh. Performance anxiety. Host stream's a bit weak there, Jim. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> um, to answer that question, no, I don't think so, um, because I'm a big believer in if you, um, if you, can't, um, if you can't back up what you're saying, then, then just shut up. So, you know, yes, I, I do put myself in the public eye a bit, much to, much to my own detriment sometimes, I think. But, you know, I'm a big believer in, in wearing your heart on your sleeve. And, um, you know, I, I've always, I always try to adapt, um, you know, or adopt an attitude, I should say, of, like, continuous improvement. I know that's, that's a bit of a wank phrase, but, like, it's, it's, a pretty, it's a pretty good one, I think. You know, you should always come to work, regardless of what your job is, and try and be just that little, you know, a little bit better every day. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but as long as you try and improve a little bit, um, I, I think you, you've probably had not a bad day at work. And um, I, th- I think certainly with the Fire Brigade, you know, my organisation that I'm with, um, that's the attitude that I, I try and I try and get across. You know, I know sometimes it can be very difficult and sometimes you feel like you're bashing your head against a brick wall multiple times a day. Um, but that's that's the nature of a, of a government service. You know, there's a lot of bureaucracy and other crap that you have to deal with. But, um, you know, if, if you try and... I don't, I don't want to say be... Uh, actually, no. I'm going to quote you, Kev, because you're the one that told me this. Is that you don't, you, you know, you don't have to hold rank to be a leader. You can lead by example of, of your actions. And yeah, I'm a big believer in that. So yeah, I try and yeah, I try and do that. I, I, I guess just uh, just just leading on from that as well. I suppose it um, if if you if you do your best and um, you know show those leadership qualities as being a firefighter, then Putting yourself in the public eye, generally speaking, 
um, comes a lot easier or you don't have to work at it, work at it as hard. I, I guess. Um, I think one of the, one of the big things that a lot of it's, it's not really, it's not really a normal human reaction. Like humans don't react well to criticism. Um, you and I have spoken at length about this because it's something that we've learned from being plain nerds and listening to another podcast called the Fine Pilot Podcast is that one of the big things that um, pilots go through in, in general, aircrew go through in general, is that they'll they'll fly for an hour, but they'll spend two hours briefing for the flight and then three and a half hours debriefing afterwards. And most of it's not talking about the good points and giving them slaps on the back. It's, you know, constructive criticism about where they stuffed up and what they can do better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I try to adopt that as well. I think if someone's telling you they're doing the, you're doing the wrong thing or you're not doing something properly, don't look at it as, you know, they're shitting on you. They're probably just trying to make you a bit better at your job or, or whatever it is that you're doing. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and as I said, humans don't generally react particularly well to that sometimes. So I've always sort of taken the option and go, no, water off a duck's back, get better at it next time, you're stuffed up, move on. Um, Simon? Kev? <laughs> What's, um, when you were, um, you've been in emergency services for many, many years, what is one of the best pranks you've ever seen pulled, either by yourself or someone else, throughout the many years best pranks best prank right so there's always the leave a telephone message for a probationary constable to ring someone at the armed hold-up squad and ask for the detective robin banks yes it sounds like Sounds like one of Kev's dad jokes. <laughs> so, it really, really does. Yeah, there's that one. There's, um, I would suggest that sometimes they put a distress horn on a one of the chairs, one of the <laughs> hydraulic chairs. That's uh, that's always a good one. These are all classics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're all. I think we're. At, Although our jobs might be different, I think we're all the same as well as far as that sort of stuff concerned. Um, we had uh, we had a very gullible girl at one of the stations I worked with, and um, we rescued uh, a Joey after a, a, a car accident where its where its mother um, got hit by a car and died, and we had almost had her ringing docks. <laughs> Department of Community oh Services to house the kangaroo. <laughs> she was quite gullible. She also oh. locked herself in a car for an hour once and couldn't get out. In the car is good. So... That is a good effort. <laughs> there, there's a fine line between uh, between the prank and uh, a call to HR. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, pranks. Good grief. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's. Well, I wish I had warnings, warning about this because I'd have to dwell on it for some time. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's all right. Um, I'm just looking through the questions. Uh, Nick, um, has your approach to acting changed um, since you began stunt work or more of the production side? 
Yeah, I think it it's probably gotten. Uh, I mean, acting's definitely helped me with the stunt side of things. Obviously, you can take a bullet hit, but if you can't perform a bullet hit, it just doesn't look any good. Sure. Um, and my dream of doing like a stunt Shakespeare is always going to be huh. in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I guess I just have more respect for all the different um, parts and parts of, of the team, you know, the production crews and the camera guys and everybody. It, I think the more you do and the, the deeper you go into a particular industry, just the more respect you have for all the, the different working parts of it, I guess. Um, acting and stunts themselves are two very different things. One is very physical. The other is quite cerebral. So I guess there's that part of it. I do miss the cerebral a lot. And I'm like, yeah, give me lines. Let me learn about a character and let me break all that down. But, you know, nothing better than using your body to tell a story, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if that even answered the question, but yeah, that's it. Stunt Shakespeare. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Are you thinking, are you thinking Othello or Romeo and Juliet? No, I actually kind of just want to get like, all the best fight scenes together and somehow make a story out of that. There's a a business opportunity in that. (laughs) Sure. Who wants to give me some funding? Go ahead. I've got a proposal for you. There's some, I think we might have a a, a friend in common who used to be a barman at a mate's uh, bar. uh, Sorry, mate's uh, bar. Um, they do you, used to do, Jim? Um, Jim, yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a stunter as well. Yeah, um, I train with Tim. He's a ledge. He is, yeah. Well, he, <laughs> he, he, him and his lovely partner were reading, um, Star Wars Shakespeare. So I'm sure that you can, I'm sure that there'd be stunts in Star Wars Shakespeare. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you just um, need to do a live action one a version of it. That would be amazing. I should actually talk to him about it when he's not so busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, small world. Yes, yeah. it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, Joelle, I was asked this question and it was, it was a criticism about our episode. And no, okay, it was, so the, the question was <laughs> why I never asked you about anime. Anime and manga. Oh, God. So, Even I was thinking that, actually, yeah. <laughs> so, so the question is, um, why anime or, or manga is so popular from a culture that is so ridiculously conservative? Um, you, you, you mean in, in Japan, why, why is it so... Well, well uh, maybe why it's so why it's so popular. What why is it so? Um, God, what why is it everywhere? Like it's it's so popular, especially in Western societies. Um, and and you can take a, a anime and manga as at face value, but coming from I just coming from a such a conservative culture, I, I suppose. Like, how do you think uh, how do you think it came about, and why do you think it came about? Well, I, I think part of it is a, a misconception from the um, the Western side of things about um, anime in general. Like when a lot of people, um, generally people who don't watch anime, think of anime, they think giant robots, um, Sailor Moon, you know, um, 
tentacles, which um, just just so everyone's aware, including your viewers, tentacle porn is about maybe five percent of hentai. <laughs> like it's 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 very niche. It's you know it's it's a it's a bit like scat with the Germans. Yeah, it's there, but it's not all Germans. Jesus. Um, but. Uh, Sorry, we we went we went down a dark path. I'll take it so, back to actually your so, question. Uh, <laughs> when do we start recording? She went into the gutter and then down the drain pipe and then that pipe a little bit. And then... uh, that that will happen. I'll, I'll I'll go back and I'll actually t- um you know answer the question instead of you know digressing into different porn fetishes that I may or may not um, know about. Um. But yeah, it's this misconception, which is that, that, um, you know, it's only because they've only seen those aspects of it. Whereas like um, anime and manga, it covers all genres. So, you know, you've got romance, you've got slice of life. Um, You just have to sort of think of it as um, a different form of um, film. So uh, uh, it's, uh, I go back to when I was, I was living with, um, uh, our flatmate several years ago and she asked me this actually she she asked me it's like oh well you know why do you always watch those cartoons you know thinking it's like oh it's saturday disney it's winnie the pooh and all that i'm like well you know the one i'm watching ghost in the shell it's about buddhism mm-hmm. um you know and it's about ai and uh you know it touches on um these pretty deep um messages but it's a cartoon um, and a lot of a, a lot of Westerners can't see past the cartoon aspect because for for them cartoons are for kids. Uh, yeah, same as same as that. Um... Hey Simon, we're getting a little bit of reverb, dude. Has your earpods run out? I'm gonna take that as a yes. Keep going, Joe. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, yeah, as I was saying. Uh, it's, you know, there's that um, idea that it's cartoons are for kids, whereas um, it, it, it's heavy in Japan because they go and watch all these different genres. They'll go, they'll go and watch a, um, an anime or they'll read a manga and it'll be a deep romance or it'll be a detective crime story. Yep. So it, it's not even a case of them being conservative. For them, it's just, it's, it's just another art form. And we're, we're, we're slowly getting it now. Um, like uh, anime is pretty big over here. We've got entire conventions about it. It's definitely spread into the States. Um, I'm not sure if it's being received over in Europe that much, but definitely, you know, there's uh, whole streaming services, um, you know, pushing this stuff onto the Western culture. So I think it's, you know, you just have to look at it as just a different form of film or a different form of a novel in that sense. Uh, and it's not all tentacle porn. <laughs> I, I spo- and giant robots. I, 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 look, I, I suppose the thing is as well is that um, the, the the mainstream anime that is on free to wear TV or or is or is um, you know streamed the most, especially older stuff. Like the the translation is not only very wrong but is very very dumbed down for Western audiences. Yes, um, and don't even get me started on dubbing, which I can't stand. <laughs> Because it's um, a lot of dubbing is um, very westernized. Uh, going going back to Ghost in the Shell as a prime example, the first five minutes uh, or the first ten minutes of that film, if you watch it dubbed, 
and you watched it um, in, sub- in subtitles. Very different soundtracks. Yep. In the in the Western version, there's a lot of gunfights. There's a lot of random, you know, chatter from the security guards. You know, there's all this um, this noise, this empty noise that isn't really required, but it makes it feel like an action film because that's what we expect. Yep. Whereas, you know, in the subtitle version, it's it's very subtle. Um, you know, there's still gunfire, but it's you know it's dumbed down. There's no talking. Um, yeah, two two. And, you know, five minutes of a scene, same movie, done very differently, depending on who's doing the um, uh, the translation. And it's, yeah, the same subtitles. Uh, you know, they're reinterpreting what they're trying to say, but any translation is not going to be the same. Um, yeah, so it'll, it'll always, depending on which translation firm you're dealing with, you could have a very different experience um, watching the same anime as your mate if they've watched it five years later from a different um, translator. Mm. Yep. Does anyone have any questions for each other? Yes. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. <laughs> yes, definitely. I, I would actually like to know, after you recorded your podcast, what was the question that you thought of after recording that you wanted to ask Kevin? I'll start with you, Jim. You were the first episode. I'll, I'll start with you. I think Jim's gone. Oops. Jim. Yeah, no, there no, we go. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Uh, um, uh, it, it was pretty deep. I was thinking about this a little bit before. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's appropriate. I got a mask. mask it. Do it. it. Yeah, I might just. Yeah. What's yeah? Obviously, you're 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 adopted from South Korea. Yep. Um, what what effect realistically overall did that have on your childhood growing up in the Blue Mountains? Like, I you know I come from like a bit of an uh you know I, I won't even say collective because there's like so many wogs in Australia. It's not funny, but you know I come from a sort of half Italian background and more or less white. How did you find that growing up? You sort of touched on that with one of your other podcasts, but how did you overall find that growing up? I wanted to ask you that with your, like with my podcast, but I thought, uh, I don't know. So here we go. See what your answer is to that. <laughs> uh, it's, I, I could probably fill a complete other episode, but look, the, the adoption thing for me um, was never a big thing. Um, it was always there. Um, if, if anything, I think uh, my mum and dad, uh, as in my adoptive mum and dad, uh, probably over, tried to overcompensate, um, thinking that I would, um, I would have issues with it. But to be honest, it, it was, it was, it was never a big thing. Um, to, to the point where, um, you know, once a, once a month we would go to, um, adoption support groups where families who had uh, adopted kids would all get together and they'd have a barbecue and all that sort of stuff. And, one of the one of the mothers came up to me and, and said, "Oh, you know, ha, you know, are you okay with being adopted? You know, how's it feel?" And I just looked at her and I said, "I'm adopted, mum and dad. Why didn't you tell me?" And I ran off and cried <laughs> <laughs> because I was that shit of a kid. Look, to be honest, it was and and uh, get, get, getting back to your um, to your answer before Nick, like the 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 narrative the narrative changed, and depending on who asked it, I would 
almost changed the narrative to give them the, that the answer that they wanted. Um, so uh, adoption wise, man, it, it never, never made a huge difference. Um, I'd have people sort of come over from, from school, like mates or anything like that. They'd meet my parents and they'd be like, you know, afterwards they'd be like, Oh, you know, your parents don't look like you or something like that. And, you know, again, depending on who it was, I'll tell them either the milkman was Asian or, you know, they, uh, <laughs> I, was, you know I was a cabbage patch kid or, you know, my, my mom had remarried or, you know, however, whatever narrative suited at the time, I, I think I took it, but yeah, it, it never, it never had a massive impact. The, the fact that I was a kid growing up in the late eighties, early nineties in the blue mountains and I was Asian, that had a bigger impact on me. Yeah, mm. yeah which, which again you touched on in one of your previous podcasts as well. Yeah, yeah, that that was rough because you know at, at the time the only Asians you'd see in the Blue Mountains were tourists. Um, yeah, the three sisters in Echo Point. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's right. So, and you know, yeah. at, at the um, at the high school we both went to at the time that I was going through high school, I'm pretty sure I was the token Asian at the entire school too. So it was that side of thing was, was, was rough in saying that as well. I could have just been overly hypersensitive to the whole thing because I was going through some mental health issues at the same time. It contextualize that last point a little bit though. It's, it's scary how similar this story is to, to you. I went all through my primary and high school years with a girl who was adopted from Thailand who had um, Scottish, like, I mean, like really thick Jimmy Barnes sort of Scottish accent parents. Um, who had a lot of the same points to bring up as you um, and went to the same high school as you and I did. So, mm -hmm. yeah, she was the only Asian person in our entire friggin' year. So it shows how, yeah, how, I guess, insular the Blue Mountains was up until very recently. And by that, I mean, like, the last 20 years, which is a bit scary. But <laughs> you know That's what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yep. Very interesting, man. Very interesting. What about what about you, Chris? Did you at the end of your podcast episode with with Kev? Did you have a question that you thought you didn't ask? Um, not really. I think we touched a lot of the bases, but I I was wondering about some sort of whether you thought that you'd ever sort of end up in in a sort of a, a regional uh, rather than setting your roots. In a region, because um, you were always sort of more of a, a, a city kid, sort of when I was like when when we were, you know, coming up. Look, I, I, I suppose went, um, yeah. I, I suppose I I did my time in the city. Um, the, the city definitely ticks a lot of boxes, there, and there's still things today that I that I miss about the city for sure. Um, in saying that, um, you know, rural New South Wales or regional New South Wales ticks a few more boxes and those boxes just seem to be a little bit more important in my life at the moment now than the other ones. Yeah, cool. Kev, I got one for you, mate. Brando. Um, it's kind of a two-parter. Uh, first off, what, what made you decide to start working in emergency services? I guess, obviously fire specifically. Mm -hmm. And do you think there's a common thread between clearly a lot of people on this call here, are involved in the emergency services. Is there a common thread which you might find between all of you that made you all sort of gravitate towards emergency services? Um, the, so to, to answer your first part, um, I think it was inevitable um, in that um, like my entire family is part of 
emergency services in in some way, shape, or form. You know, mm. I've, I've got cousins, um, and my mum and dad have cousins that are that are in the Ambos. Um, you know, my my family's much involved or very very involved with the um, with the voluntary fire service. Um, I've got an uncle that works at comms. Um, you know, and I suppose. A, a common trait that I'm drawn to th- with a lot of emergency service personnel, um, and I'm, look, I'm not going to say all, but most of them, um, is I would say integrity, um, which is, you know, mm-hmm. if, if if they say they're going to do something or, you know, um, they, they, they'll do it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I suppose that, that to me is important where, you know, at, at this stage of my life, you know, time is precious um, and I can't, um, I, I, I can't have people in my life that, that continuously let me down, I suppose. Mm. Can I just say one thing that, that you just reminded me of the way you definitely are, and this has probably come up on a few podcasts, men, you go all in when you do something, don't you? You don't <laughs> half-ass anything. It's, it's, uh, yes. it's incredible. It's something to be proud of, and it's something that I've always admired, so... Well, Good yes, yeah. In saying that, I, I do have a lot of uh, a, lo- a lot of failed, expensive hobbies that I, I'm now looking at, <laughs> sitting on my shelves. I'm looking at scuba diving stuff. I'm looking at some mm-hmm. car and plane models and uh, mm-hmm. some Warhammer stuff. So, yes. Are you serious, scuba diving, man? Uh, yeah, I was uh, uh, I was a cavern diver, which is one step below wreck and cave. So we were we were training for um, helium dives for helocs um dry suit uh extended and and different temperature and diving at altitude and yeah all that sort of stuff that sounds terrifying you have you not done mate you are unbelievable <laughs> uh, look, if, I, if you I suppose... want me to store your gear for you just let me know i i, I look after that for you <laughs> I've, I've, I've got a good shed for it so just after I just decided to retire from scuba diving, the the scuba diving technology world just exploded. So my stuff is not is is, is not worth a thing. Oh really? Yeah. Well, it's worth something to you. Well, look, it, it is definitely worth something to Aww. me. It's it's worth something to you know something heavy to hold the door open, and you know it's, <laughs> there's, there's that, there's that funny there's that funny neoprene smell when I come in that I realise is is probably not good. Do you do you have a mixed gas diving rig, or you just have scuba? No, no, yeah, I've I've got mixed gas, so I've I've got two is it, is it... two twelves two twelve steels with um with red bottles that had helium and um, pure O two, and we were. At, at the time, rebreathers were, were coming into it, so it was a huge toss-up whether or not we just we sell up that and go all in with uh, with rebreathers. I've, got, I've, I've lived with you. Uh, I've lived with you before, Kevin. I can confirm that you've got mixed gas. Thanks. <laughs> 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 I, I was going to say it'd be. Um, can can we get one time when we can actually hear what you sound like on Heliox? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah I, i'm pretty sure i've still got a bottle of helium somewhere too oh, oh that that lends itself to let's make a night of it yeah. <laughs> also does birthday parties <laughs> always knew you were a clown <laughs> yeah that never changes man that never changes it's the giant feet isn't it <laughs> <laughs> wide not long it's it's the girth. <laughs> <laughs>
Kev, I've, I've got an interesting question. For you. I'd be curious to know that you've done uh, numerous episodes now. What, what are you up to? Eight, uh, nine, 11. Podcasts? 11. 11. 11. I have listened to all of them. And I, I want to know that has there been anything that or any sort of part of your life which has been compromised or changed from interviewing and having the podcast with your your mates? Um. No, like I, I wouldn't say compromised. I would say like even even people that that um, know me as well as Jim, um, even in our podcast episode, like there was still stuff that um, I was talking about that um, uh, that he didn't know, and it's it's really fun talking about that sort of stuff. And I suppose it's it's probably one of my faults in that I it's it's not that I don't like talking about myself. I I genuinely go out of my way to not share anything about myself um and 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 uh, as i've found with isolation and talking to a lot of people on the phone for a very very long time um you know a, a lot of people don't know anything about me so it's it's been really it's it's been a big learning curve to learn to talk about myself and my experiences that's that's a good have you found that helpful um no, I I still think I'm I'm absolutely hopeless at public speaking, and I think I'm still hopeless about talking about myself. Um, mostly because I'm I, I just think I'm eye wateringly boring. Um, but in saying that, you know, I'm I'm my I'm I'm my own worst critic as well. So you know, I, I think look, if if anything, I've probably learnt to stop being so damn critical of myself. That's a pretty good thing to learn. Yeah, it's a very hard thing to learn, but yeah. It's a hard thing to learn, that, but most of us take a lifetime to learn that. So that's a, I'd say bravo. Thanks, man. Um, was, there, was there anyone else that was disappointed that I didn't ask a particular question about their aspect of their life? No, and I think anyone that would say yes is pretty narcissistic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Say, why didn't you ask how awesome I am? <laughs> Look, I, I, I guess there's there's certain aspects of people people's lives that. Um, that, that again, look, same as me, there's certain aspects of people's lives that they don't necessarily talk about that, I don't know, they, they get to a certain point of their life that they want to. Just just like me being um, being adopted, um, it, was, it, was, it was so much of a not big deal that it was just never a deal full stop. And I don't know, it's, um, it's, it's, it's an interesting question that you ask for sure. Awesome, man. I, I'd say for my podcast, I, I would love to do another one just because when we do it, Kevin, um, we only had reconnected after 20 years of not really seeing each other. Or talking. So or talking yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, so like seeing each other face-to-face, -face, uh, make like renewing that friendship that we had in high school would um, yield a completely different podcast because you'd be able to drop your guard a bit more rather than having it with someone you've you've only just reconnected with. So so for those that don't know, I did at the start of this year, I did a podcast episode with Luke on his podcast in regards to um, the time I spent down at Janolan Caves and the fires and stuff like that. Did you, when we were recording it or when you were playing it back or when you've re-listened to it, did you find that I was overly guarded with you? Um, no, no. You were like a... 
You were like a walnut. You, I knew you had a good story and trying to get it open to get you to tell <laughs> the story was so tough. Like we, we talked a lot in the pre, uh, the pre talk or whatever you want to call that, that leading up to stage about your experiences in Janolan caves sure. and how you felt, um, being in bra- uh, seeing all those walls of flames and things like that. And, um, I remember being like, just like, what question can I ask? that's going to get him to just tell this really great story. And you, you kept dodging around the edges of, (laughs) (laughs) I, I look, I I guess the big thing as well is that, um, and, and uh, Jim and Matt and, and Chris and, and Simon can probably attest to this is that we're, um, we're, we're heavily censored by our, our social media policies and our, um, our PR policies. So I, I I guess I'm just, uh, um, that's that's probably why I like off the air. I probably talk more about about a lot of stuff than I do on the air, wholly and solely, because I know that if the wrong person person listens to it, um, it, it can get out of control, and I, I can lose my job pretty quickly over it. Yeah, I think also like because it's something you deal with on a day to day basis, it's hard to put into the right language for people who don't deal with it because yeah. it's just kind of like you like it's just normal, but to us, it's like extraordinary and exciting. I, I, I am, I am extremely blase about it. Like ridiculously blase about it. You just need to get that whole um, sentence of, I refuse to comment on the grounds that it may incriminate me. Play the fifth. <laughs> there's no, there's no 50. <laughs> yeah. We're in Australia. Like, yeah. <laughs> very, very cool. So, since um since I spoke to all, all you all last and and on the podcast, uh, my I think my last question to you was what what is the rest of the year holding for you? So has that changed or um or is the rest of the year that the last what six weeks, four weeks, five weeks? Good lord, yeah, <laughs> the last the last five weeks. What what does it have in store for everyone? Oh well, I've had a bit of a plans a job that I applied for back in. June before launching my business uh, finally got back to me, and so I've got uh, I've got four with the three months of work over the summer as a uh, field work worker with a uh, forestry organisation. Just doing their, their asset protection and, and fire protection over the summer, so that's be a bit of a an interesting change for me compared to what I thought I was going to be doing. Is 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 that going to be up close to you, or do you have to travel for that? No, it's it's close to home. It's fifteen minutes into the depot, so nice and close. So, Excellent. Yeah. I, I'd like to say that I'm surprised that you got another job uh, firefighting, but I'm I'm really not, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was, um, yeah. They they just took their sweet time getting back to. <laughs> yeah. What about everyone else? Four weeks, less of the year. Um, well, I'll jump. I'll jump in for me. Um, I'll just keep driving trains and loving going to work every day and feeling very privileged to do something that uh, I enjoy. Getting up to go to work and you know being excited about. And I know that seems really nerdy and um, probably a little bit boyish, but you know who cares? It pays good and. Um, <laughs> 
yeah, I'm very, I'm very lucky. You know, I'm very, I feel very lucky. You know, I've got a wonderful group of mates. I can sit here and have discussions with intelligent people like this, uh, even if we do talk about hentai and tentacles and all that sort of stuff. And <laughs> so just, you know, me bringing uh, down the uh, the intelligence level. Gotcha. <laughs> Fuck me, I did not expect to talk about that tonight. <laughs> wait, wait for the deep dive episode. Me and Kev are going to do in a week's time, just on uh, tentacle. <laughs> Don't say deep dive. <laughs> deep dive with tips. Yeah. Like, like, like a couple of feet. <laughs> Joel, are you, uh, bug out. Yeah. Joel, are you working over Christmas and New Year, man, or you got time off? Um, got a little bit of work, but I'm actually I'm going to take a week off, go visit the family since uh, I haven't uh, travelled there for a bit, so I'm actually looking forward to that. Uh, now that the borders have opened up, um, yeah. fingers crossed, everything stays the same. But yeah, it'll be it'll be good to take a week off and just you know leave the state. Yep. Um, yeah, which you know I'm I'm used to traveling uh, the world every year, and here I am going. You know what? If I could just get out of New South Wales, I'll be happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nick, what are you up to? Um. Well, I'm just about to start a new pay the bill job, which is exciting. Um, are, are you allowed think, to divulge? Di- oh, it's just another gym receptionist job, but I moved from one gym to another with better pay, so that's always good. Fair enough, very good. <laughs> um, but I'm kind of just taking that, you know, that new and exciting energy and I'm just, I've put out a new stunt reel and I'm getting the ball rolling for next year. There's a lot of projects coming up and I've just got to make sure that I'm ready and I'm looking good and they'll pick me and it'll be great. So, you know, just... Just keep at it. Just keep the hustle going. Absolutely. So the, <laughs> the, the new stunt reel, is that live yet or are you still just putting out teasers about you being a shield maiden? Oh, that was that was just a bit of fun, actually. I was just me and a mate wanted to get some stuff for the reel. So we're like, let's dress up like Vikings and beat each other up with swords. That looks so cool, by the way. <laughs> Thank you that so much. a fun time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, your, so your stunt reel, where is it available or where will it be available? Uh, it's available. I mean, there's this wonderful place called Stunt Book, um, where you can see all available stunties to hire in Australia. And I'm on there. But other than that, like, it's, it's a really interesting world where like social media is normally such a big thing, but you're kind of seen as a wanker if you put too much out on social media as a stuntie. So it's like trying to find that line of like teaser photos as opposed to here's my entire life. So it's, um, yeah, it's, it's by request only. For the oh. <laughs> Are we privileged to get that or what? <laughs> yeah, I'll slide Patreon. it on your DMs. Yeah, that's yeah Patreon, yeah. <laughs> you, you definitely need to start up with Patreon. Oh, yeah, I've had that discussion with a few people, actually. <laughs> actually, you know what? I, I was thinking the other day, um, as a side hustle, what you could do is you need to jump on Twitch and stream. Yeah, I've had so many, like, uh, mates say that. I'm like, who would want to watch me play, like, Destiny and World of Warcraft for hours? Seriously, I'm really not that interesting a human when it comes to gaming. Do um, it while you're on fire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stunt gaming. Is it a brand new thing right there? Yeah, I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll look into it. I'll get the crew together and we'll see what we can do. <laughs> Thank you. I want 10%. <laughs> uh, sure. Maddie, what does the rest of the year hold for you, man? 
Um, but I'm pretty much at the uh, the whim of the roster guys at the moment. Yep. Um, I'm very lucky. My um, roster includes things like having Christmas and New Year's off, which for a shift worker in emergency services is pretty amazing. Excellent. Hey, that's awesome. uh, well done. Nice. Yeah, and it, yeah, I just sort of just you know kiss the wall, kiss the ground, thank the lucky stars, and just you know edge edge back quietly when that one happens. Um, so yeah, it'd be good. It'd be good. I'm much of my family lives a fair way away, so I'm actually really looking forward to. I get leave in January and I'm praying that everybody does the right thing and leaves the borders <laughs> open after Christmas uh, because it will have been 12 plus months since I've seen my, my mom, my dad, my sister, my nieces and nephews up Queensland way. So I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing them in the near future because they keep growing and um, you know, I grow up and out and they just keep growing up. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, fair enough, man. Um, Luke, you're coming up to school holidays, man. Yeah, I've actually got a, a pretty busy next five weeks. I, I start a new job at a new school next year. Awesome. But um, in between now and then, I've got um, a lot of scheduling to organize for a new podcast I'm doing. Um, a pretty important one for me. Um, my dad passed away earlier this year in March. And when I, when I was thinking about what to write in his eulogy, I... I ended up writing it from the point of view of um, that I knew nothing about my pop and um, my son would know nothing about his. And so I, it started me on a journey of how can I ensure that my son knows about his grandfather? Yep. And so this podcast is going to be a six part mini series where it's a permanent recollection of the people that were in his life and these stories will be remembered and my son will be able to listen to them when he's 20 and know who, who the man was. So I'm, I'm really excited to get into that, but nervous at the same time. Amazing, man. I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be available where um, on, on all podcast services as per usual. Uh, not sure yet. We'll, we'll see how it goes. We'll see what the interviews yield, but I'll be traveling around Australia, meeting lots of people wow. who knew my dad. So, um, at the end of the day, it's for my son. I'd, I'd like to share it publicly, um, but we'll see what, what the interviews yield. Gotcha. Yeah. That's amazing. Very cool, man. And Simon. Simon's working Christmas Day. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. yeah, I know. That's okay. I've got New Year's off, so that's good. Um, so I'm working uh, right through, but... And I've also, my other priority is to finish these renovations off so um, I can live in some type of orderly dwelling. And, uh, yeah, that's basically it. Very cool, Back uh, Groundhog Day, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm. hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, it's, uh, I'm not going to use the Q word because we, we all know better, but ho hopefully it is exactly that over the next, uh, over the next six weeks because uh, I, I, um, I think we could all use a bit of a break. You need, you need to wash your mouth out, Kevin. You, just the fact that you mentioned the Q word. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, does anyone have you anything know, else to um, ask or add or anything like that before we you, close up? You, you missed me, Kev. <laughs> I definitely missed you. Oh, Brennan. No, you did miss you. me. You. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Brutal. Sorry, man. You were, you, you, well, you, were, you were blending into the background a little bit too well. The only person without an avatar. Thank you. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is, exactly. <laughs> I, I, well, I miss you too, buddy. Um, we should definitely catch up. Um, but no, I've, um, I've got 
um, we're going. I'm going to Byron for Christmas. So I'm avoiding the family this year, nice. and I'm um, heading into Byron Bay for a bit. <laughs> um, but I've um, I've just been. I've got a promotion at work recently, so I've now got a few people that are in my team, and we just spent the next sort of four or four or five weeks planning for the next year, which has actually been really fun. A whole new thing for me, but. Um, yeah, lots of lots of promise for the new year. I hope will, as long as we all behave, as we mentioned be, here a few times. Will this be your mm-hmm. first Christmas as a married man? Yes, it will be. Yeah, yes, indeed. Nice. Yes. Very. Cool. Yeah, I wonder if it's going to be different. Uh, Do you get like different presents or? I get the same thing, my friend. It will be the same thing. Trust me. Socks. <laughs> <laughs> so, more socks. Wonderful. Yeah, more I mean, socks. Yeah. More socks and undies. <laughs> <laughs> Nah, very, very you, cool. you need to learn to appreciate those things because um, it means you don't have to go buy them yourself. Oh, no, I'm there already. Right. Don't worry. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I definitely do rely on my, um, my, my supply of undies and socks every 12 months at Christmas. <laughs> well, you can subscribe with dad jokes 24-7. I love it. That's it. <laughs> Kev, is that where you get your dad jokes from? Do they come like wrapped up in a little paper roll that comes with your socks and jocks? <laughs> it's like the Christmas hats, like the crackers. Yes. That you get. Yes. yes. Except you get underwear. That'd be great. Open up the Christmas cracker, you get a f- pair, pair of undies. That's great. That's a business idea. Someone get on and patent that shit before it gets <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. How, how someone hasn't marketed that already for, for special Christmas undies that come in, you know, crackers? Oh, I, I man. Don't know. I'm having like a light bulb moment with this. This is fucking insane. <laughs> That's so good. Oh, yeah. so edit, edit this bit out and we'll, we'll, we'll take it offline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can't thank you guys enough for giving up your uh, your Sunday evenings to talk shit with me and and everyone else. And um, thank you so much again for um, for being a guest on my podcast. Next year is uh, the format slightly changes, so this is my mate will continue. However, instead of getting specific people in to have a conversation with, uh, we are picking a topic. And um, we're going to be discussing that topic. So hopefully, um, hopefully, all you lovely ladies and gentlemen will come back and discuss funny and in-depth topics with me. Hell yeah! Are you like oh, pitting yeah. us Sounds against good. each other? Is it like this Sounds is my good. mate battle royale, or is it like a bitch? I mean, <laughs> podcast Spartacus, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's do a track day. Yes. Uh, oh, yeah. Nine and <laughs> <everyone> emerge. <laughs> uh, awesome. All right. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. The opinions or views expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the host or guest and do not represent those of the people, institutions or organizations that the host or guest may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company or individual.